if you want to close a deal, there's three, three tenths of selling, sell yourself, sell your products, sell your services. Selling yourself is the relationship. If people like you, trust you, know you, nine times out of 10, they're going to be more open to buying from you. Hello, I'm Steve Class with the business breakthrough you've been waiting for. We're here taking service businesses to a million dollars and beyond. Let's see what kind of impact the next 30 minutes will have on your life and your business. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, everyone. I just got done wrapping up a podcast with this gentleman by the name of Jeff Trimble. He is a digital marketing guru and a sales master. And we get into some deep weeds here of like how to prospect, how to generate leads for your business, what a marketing funnel is, what a digital advertising agency is and what they do for you. And we also go into Jeff's journey from just a typical sales guy to an entrepreneur who's who's making nearly seven figures in his business. I think he's about halfway there. So he'll, he'll get there eventually, but it's only 30 years old and he's just getting started. Um, this episode is packed with, with really, really tangible, actionable items that you can implement into your business. So please stick around. And without further ado, let's get into it. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Success with Class. I am here with a gentleman I met on an Austin mastermind. Uh, it was M3, and we were meeting up with a billionaire uh, named Drayton McLean. He used to be the owner of the Astro, Astro Houston's. And I connected with Jeff, and that's his name, everyone, Jeff Trimble. Welcome. And uh, he struck me as someone instantly I wanted to spend more time with. His energy, his ambition, his youthful exer exertion, his just overall demeanor of just being around him is like, you're getting, you're, you're feeding off of this energy and makes you more energetic just being around this gentleman. Um, and I was like, I got to get this guy on my show because he has a, an incredibly unique backstory. And Jeff, correct me if I'm wrong, you're still in your 20s, right? Uh, no, no, no. I just turned 30. Just oh, turned big 30 three zero. this year. Yeah, this is it. Roll downhill, yeah. brother. Trust me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we age it up, man. The knee pains are coming in soon. For sure. <laughs> and I, I'm going to say this on air. Uh, you're one of the people that makes me uncomfortable in a great way because sometimes I think that I'm good at sales, marketing, or communication. And then I get around someone like you that makes me uncomfortable because I realize how inept and inferior I am and how much more I have to learn based on the conversations that you've had with me and around me. And I say that because I want to be around you more because I want that uncomfortable feeling to keep happening. Does that make sense? I know it's a weird yeah. acting compliment, but no. it's a... <laughs> I I appreciate that, but I, I I get a lot of people that say that. And this is gonna sound super weird inside of my team in the pawn shop space, like a, or, or on, inside the agency that they say something similar, like "Man, like you, I feel intimidated or whatever," and I don't know where that comes from. I'm like, "Why? What am I doing?" Like, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm like the most open guy. Like, you can ask whatever questions. Like. I'm an I'm an open book, man. I've just been around and back, so I don't I don't want anybody to ever, you know, not want more. I I'm just a guy that tries to learn more and share. You're 100 percent you, you. I think that's, a, <laughs> yeah. that's the best way to put it. Exactly. And by the way, you are a porn star, so I mean that's that's something that we, we're going to get into later a on. Pawn, P A W N, not P O R N, yeah. for anybody out there that that, that was a previous slide. We'll get into the background <laughs> on that, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you you have a, a really great origin story uh, that is not the atypical path of an entrepreneur. 
Um, so I know that you were a college dropout. You were you were always not set up to success. Like if you I, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, if you went to high school and said who's most likely to be arrested or be successful, you might have been <laughs> the top, of, top of the list there. <laughs> I I um I guess I'll, I'll tell you that. So um, I would I don't know that I would be at the top of the list because I wasn't completely there, but I was definitely not at the list of of people like hey this guy's gonna win in high school. I was the guy that that. Um, my 18th birthday, my dad gave me a get out of jail free card because I was a little bit of a troublemaker. He printed a, a little like uh, uh, Monopoly get out of jail free card. And he's like, uh, you just you just do dumb things because I was mischievous. I was crazy. I was kind of the schemer. You know, I'd sneak out of my 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 friend's house and go TP other people's houses in the middle of the night. You know, I have ADHD, so I'm all over the place. So when teachers weren't speaking to the pace in which that I could you know, comprehend, they'd throw me out because I'd accidentally be clicking a pen and the world didn't understand me. Um, and so they kind of rejected me throughout the high school world, right? The school system kind of failed me in a variety of different ways and kind of that same story kind of happened through high school. But my origin story is, is I always wanted to be rich. Um, it was kind of my call to why. Um, it, this is a little bit personal, but I grew up thoroughly middle-class. My dad, um, was a Walmart store manager, made six figures most years, multiple six figures some years, which, you know, 10 years ago before inflation meant something. Um, so he uh, made good money. So I never went without, but he was nose deep in debt. He liked to spend every dollar he made. He was like the typical, um, you know, person that was first time wealth and didn't understand that that um, money mindset investment stuff. And so through my mom, my mom is not money financially smart whatsoever. She is, doesn't understand it right. She just doesn't get it. Um, which is amazing. My dad, you know, has his own skills. My mom has her own skills, but her was not money. The point is my mom would stress out seeing the debt, which then caused me to think money buys happiness because I saw the inverse, right? Mm -hmm. My mom doesn't have any money. So she's stressed anytime that that would happen. I would flip the script and be like, oh, if I was just rich, then I'd be, you know, I'd have an abundance of happiness since, you know, 14 year old Jeff would think. Um, and that kind of, you know, stuck with me. So exactly that, the origin story. I, um, I was working my way up through retail because my dad was a retail store manager and that was the only path that I knew. It was in a small town in California called Redding, which most Californians consider Oregon because it's two and a half hours North of, of Sacramento, the biggest city. And, um, worked my way through that, making dirt money and ended up in nose deep in debt myself, $56,000 in credit card debt because I was trying to learn sales skills. I read Robert Kiyosaki's book, The Rich Dad, Poor Dad. One of those chapters are like, if you don't know what you want to do with your life, go get a sales job, go get the job that, and join network marketing company uh, for the skills, right? So go learn, learn skills. For me, I joined network marketing right away. Uh, spent a lot of money trying to learn all this stuff, finding a mentor, trying to find someone that could teach me how to do it. And I realized through that whole process that network marketing companies I was joining that nobody was making money anyway. So how could they teach me how to make money? Um, which led into sales jobs. And then, um, every eight months when I jumped from sales job to sales job to sales job for about four and a half years. And I made that distinction. Hopefully with a pay increase every time you're jumping. <laughs> I, yeah, actually, um, some, some no, but mostly it was, um, for the skills. So for me, like I joined first, my first ever sales job was Metro PCS. It was in store. Like I was selling prepaid phones. Um, 
because that was the only sales job that was really there that wasn't real estate. I know, right? I, I, we have a nickname for Metro PCS. It was always called Metro Piece of Shit. So <laughs> it, yeah, it, it was yeah. not. It was it was exactly that. Now it's yeah. a, a T-Mobile company. And so then hop shift to T-Mobile, which were two different actually sales processes. Then I ended up in a Comcast call center because I was completely afraid of talking over the phone. I was one of those people. I'd text you back if you called me and never would call you. And I realized that that's a, a hindrance and a skill I needed to acquire is getting over, calling over the phone. Then I went from call center to door knocking. Uh, and I'm a tech guy. I was door knocking to sell roofs. And I'm I'm the guy that I can't even fix a doorknob. Like you try to take the doorknob apart, falls to the ground, the thing explodes. I don't know how to put the thing back together. That's a true story. My brother still makes fun of me for that. Um, I'm just not that guy, but I learned to sell roofs, the most expensive roof on the market. And then eventually along that, sales by day, marketing by night, trying to grow my network marketing company, um, courses, seminars, conventions, et cetera. And now so it sounded like you, you took an unconventional path where it was like, I need to go to business school to figure this no, out. No, no, no. I just I need to get to sales. Let me just actively, actively do it. And from my experience, within six months of working with whatever company, you pretty much get the job and you've you, the learning curve just becomes less and less because you're yeah. 80, 90% there. Yeah. And, yeah. and as Diminishing someone else, returns. Yeah. And as, as someone who suffers from ADHD as well, I'm like, well, do I see longevity here? No. Okay. I, I learned what I had to learn. Now it's kind of like, let me take these skills, internalize them, go to the next one, learn, 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 good, next one. Exactly. And until it, it seems that you know, you're just building a natural experience of just sales, sales, marketing, is, and just really is, building out your tool belt, so to speak. Not the real tool belt because both of us don't want to hang any pictures, <laughs> but your your mental tool belt, it seems. Um, exactly. But when was when was it where you're like, okay, I have built up this knowledge base now. I'm pretty good at sales. Like, it looks like I earned my reputations by doing these mm -hmm. cold calls, literally door knocking. I mean, that's most people would be horrifically terrified about. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When did you think, I think I can do this on my own? Was there like a moment where like, I, I, uh, I'm yeah. going to start something as an independent entrepreneur now? Great question. Okay. So that, that was a, a journey of, um, hard knocks because I, I remember the day, my first day of Friday, the 13th of October, um, 2017, I went full-time exclusive, just didn't go anywhere else. Right. So it's been impactful. You remember the date? Well, I, I laugh because it's Friday the 13th yeah. of October. So it's like, so it's the worst most timing, unlucky <laughs> number, <laughs> right, the, yeah. un the unlucky day. Right. So, um, and so that was that. So there was, there wasn't, okay. So this is how it happened tactically, actually, uh, in the sales world, they teach you something that's called the nut. Okay. Your nut is a squirrel chasing his nut. The nut is what is your minimum expectations or minimum amount of money that you need to make to pay your bills. Okay. And for me, I've always lived frugally so I can buy other things. So I didn't buy a bunch of random junk for my house or whatever. I didn't, you know, have the nicest stuff on purpose. I'd have the new phone because I worked at T-Mobile, but I didn't go buy extra furniture or nothing. So my rent was, you know, relatively cheap minus my debt payments. So the point is I figured out what my nut was and said, Hey, how do I sell one deal? And we were selling websites at the time. And how do I figure out that one deal pays for everything monthly? Because I was a sales guy and I was used to selling four or five, six deals a week. So I said, if I can take a step back, generate the lead myself, close one deal, and all my expenses, my minimum expenses are paid for from said one deal, then I can do this. And for me, what happened is, is I was already working a 1099. My last door knocking, roofing, in-home selling job of, of roofing was 1099, 100% commission only. So I had already gotten rid of the um, 
you know, salary or guaranteed paycheck already. So it's kind of a stage of like, okay, learning to sell to eat what you kill. So you're getting extra bonuses. So first sales job was just team bonuses. Then it became a commission and it became even more production based commission from one job to the next, to the next. Then it became exclusive commission, which is just business. Business is exclusive commission. You, you get what you pay or you get what you kill. Right. And so that was the first evolution for me. It took four years for me to, to let go of the employee mindset of like, I need to have a guaranteed check. Um, and then one day it just kind of hit me cause I was selling websites. I was doing freelancer. So I was at the same time of doing sales jobs, I was running my own companies of like e-commerce, drop shipping, network marketing, making some money from them. Um, sometimes big money. I did a, a funnel selling make America great again, stuff, uh, 220,000 in 60 days. Uh, then I got a cease and desist by the president of the United were, States. Sorry. You were, yeah. you were about to big government. Yeah. Yep. Um, but the point is, is that um, it happened when I realized, okay, I have three months of cash in the bank. This is this was my runway. I've I operate on a net nineties. If I can make something, I can make I can fix any problem in ninety days. So I told myself I have ninety days of cash in the bank, and if I can't figure out how to close one deal to extend that runway of ninety days, in that ninety days, then I don't deserve to be full time anyway. And so what I was selling at the time was just websites, and I was like, I'll figure everything else out from there. I'll prospect. I'll cold outbound reach. Because the click for me was, I'm already working commission only, working a job that I hate, spending a Not bunch just of time. Matter of building out a web, my own website, which I'm already selling, Co- building my own brand identity, and then correct. To- and I just now need to generate lead, which I'd already been studying lead generation for all my other stuff. And then it kind of so, hit me. I oh, really want to generate the door knocking, the, the the lead gen aspect, because I think that's what a lot of business owners, when they're first starting out, are like, I have this. I I'm a great plumber. I know how to fix this leak. I don't know mm-hmm. how to have my phone ring. I don't know how to do cold outreach. How people yeah. like be the best plumber in the world, but if nobody knows about you, you might as well be the worst. As yeah. opposed to the guy who who's twenty five percent of your skill level, he just a really good marketer and he's busy all the time. Yeah. So yeah, your lessons you learn through these years of selling, of literally door knocking. Yeah. What can we take away from that? Like, if someone's starting out, fresh out of the gate, they they want it's a service based business, right? What's a great way to kind of generate your first your first paying client? Okay. Incredible. Uh, first off, you need to have a formalized, very easy, understandable offer. You you have to have something that's, I'm selling something. I've got fish. If you're selling fish, cool. You know what that is. I'm selling a roof. That's why I could door knock and sell roofs. It was very clear. We're selling a roof. Looks like you have a leaky roof. We could see it right from the street, but you need to have a formalized product. And a lot of people will like, I'm going to go full time and they haven't even fully figured out the product yet. And that's, that's a dilemma, right? You You have to have two things product to sell and then uh, who you're going to sell it to that's next steps okay so how do you get the who that's a definition you have to define that and i'll give you the example of the roofing company okay so the product is roofs you just use plumbing right so but the product in this case is roofs now you have to define who who are you trying to target off of and what the roofing company would do is, is two things one they could scan the city and say which houses are old like which houses were built in this date range and I could go pull whole neighborhoods because they knew the average lifespan of a roof was 22 years, 15 years, whatever it was on their accounting side. And they would find what houses were built 15 years ago. Right, 1984, due. whatever. Yeah, yeah, they're due, right? So then what they'd do is they just send someone out into the house range because they knew they're who. Well, I'm a homeowner that their houses were built in 1984. So let me go find every house that was born built in 1984 and let's send somebody out there to knock on every single one of those doors built in 1984 because they're probably our ideal customer. So there's that part, right? So it's like knowing the product, 
but knowing the who. Sometimes it's not as easy as roofing because you can walk down the street and look at someone's roof a lot of times and tell that it's going bad because bad roofs sparkle. They have whatever, but they're, you can see it a little bit more. Like there's a glittery glowing effect. Um, it might not be that obvious, but you just figure out who then you figure out where, right? That's the next step. So product, who, where, where are they? That's what the scanning of the, the neighborhood was. Okay, we know. Most people for me now at the marketing agency, a lot of times are on LinkedIn. So what I'll do when I'm really going out and trying to actively prospect cold market, I get on LinkedIn, find pawnbroker um, CEOs and founders, and I'll just send them a cold message on LinkedIn. Yo, bro, what's going on here? Or I'll fly to a pawnbroker convention because that's where they are. You go to where they are. You go in where the fish tend to hang out. Exactly. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you cast your bait where the, the pool of minnows are. You know what? You know what your product is. You know who you're targeting, and you know where they're hanging out. Then, and I think that gets so lost in translation, where where people will focus all the time on their startup on marketing of like, uh, I need to like have fancy branding photos. I need to have a sexy logo, and they don't even have a paying client yet. And I love your approach of just like, no, just like sell something, like figure out what you have to sell first, and then yeah. get a sale, and then the marketing will come in the back end. Like you can you could start f- filling that out as it happens. And we were saying this in the beginning of the podcast. Uh, before we started recording, he goes, Jeff, what is your marketing agency's website? Our marketing agency today, we're about to hit hundred thousand a month by the end of this year. We're about 50 ish right now Amazing. reoccurring. Right. And my marketing agency website is literally taken down. I don't, <laughs> I sell websites, I sell marketing, and we don't have any of that up at this moment. Why? Cause that's not how we acquire clients. So pawnbrokers need it because it, they have a different model, right? So I guess that's a little bit of nuance for you guys out there. For me, there's, you have to decide on a business on, on the model. Are you going one to many, meaning you need a volume play? That's where marketing has to kind of come in a little bit. And you have to be more effective because you need more minnows to feed your pelican, right? Or are you really harpooning whales and you, if you go get one whale, your pelican's going to eat for five years, right? So it's like, but whales are harder to catch, right? It takes more, whatever. And so for me, I'm a whale hunter. I harpoon whales. That's our business model. Let's go find 10 or 15 people that pay a ton and will focus on those 10 or 15. But that's a decision that you guys have to make when you're launching your stuff. So a plumber, a lot of times is a little bit more of a minnow play. So that's where you need a little bit more marketing, right? You need to make sure your Google My Business is set up correctly. You need a, a little bit of a proper lead lead source because you need a little bit more volume because your margins are less. Or you flip that. For me, my margins are, our new package that we're selling is $5,000 a month, reoccurring marketing agency, Every month, that's our retainer, five Gs. So that's more than my monthly bills at this moment. Yeah, and so, I, I love when you when you first launched, you gave yourself that 90-day window of like, I yep. have 90 days to kind of yep. get my first validation of sale here, and then I can kind of kick it. And I'm sure it took you less than 90 days to get your first client. Two weeks. Two, two weeks. There you go. <laughs> took me two, two weeks, and most of that time was chasing around somebody that had said yes in the first four days. So I got a yes in the first four days, and... And then I had to follow up with them for another week and a half until I officially got the check. So you just mentioned that you just crossed over 100K a month. That brings you to $1.2 million a year. That's extraordinarily impressive for for uh, someone who's 30 years old and who's yeah, only been in this for a couple of years. We're, we we don't hit one, one, 100K every month. So we're by the end of this year, that's what we're projecting. Um, we're at, we're at 50,000 for full transparency and honesty for, for here. So we're at 600K. Um, a year reoccurring at this exact moment. And that's just retainers, not ad spend, nothing else um, for our clients. Still we, highly impressive. <laughs> yeah. Ro- rotates through our accounts. We have 
1 million rotation if we count ad spend ish maybe a little bit less 750k somewhere between 750 and a million uh so counting so clients when, ad spend how long did it take you to go from client one first client you ever sold to getting it where it's like well, i actually have a business now where this mm -hmm. is like current revenue i'm up 10k a month yeah um, yep. what strategy did you implement to, to get there was it intentional of like i want a goal set ten thousand dollars a month by month three six Amazing. whatever happened to me um Okay, so let me give you a little bit of backstory on the agency because there's two parts to this. Also, agent, I would love for you to explain what a marketing agency is because I, we'll, we'll, let's let's yeah. assume people aren't are, are tertiary knowledge about it. Yeah, so there, I'll, I'll start there. Marketing agency, then I'll go a little bit of history, then I'll answer the direct question. Okay. So, a mar what a marketing agency is? It's we're done for you, marketing agency, meaning that we're doing a service physically. We're selling our time, or our experience, or our knowledge, building funnels, building websites, running Facebook ads, doing SEO, video editing, blog writing, etc. So every agency is slightly different, but for us, traditionally, it's in-house digital marketing. We're running ads, media buying, et cetera. And um, we first started the agency. I built it. That's what I was talking about here, getting into my first client, et cetera. Um, I was doing freelance work before that. I had somewhere along the line, when I was a freelancer at sales jobs, I realized there was an opportunity here because I saw some video editing services that I was editing myself selling websites that I was outsourcing to a partner. So I found a creative partnership. Actually, this guy would fulfill the deals. I just had to sell them, which was really cool. So I wasn't physically developing the sites. And then from there, what happened is, is that uh, we got into like a ma another mastermind group and I uh, did a promotion. We had a logo design person. We gave away 200 free logos, just cost me five bucks. Another negotiation, that's a story. Out of those 200 free logos, we popped off and sold about forty, fifty thousand dollars worth of websites right out of the gate, just because we had so much attention, and we were selling websites for about three thousand dollars, four thousand a pop, somewhere right around there. So, 10, 10 sites is forty G's or thirty G's, depending on the low end. We sold ten, maybe a couple more, give or take, ten to fifteen. So we had forty thousand dollars in cash flow, uh, real quick, and. That's when uh, I realized that there was a strategy of giving away the logos for free, because that is an amazing strategy that someone mm -hmm. who's in the service business can do just to gain that initial traffic and attention. Can you yeah. break that down with me a little bit about what was this something that like you're kind of going back to Mr. Alex from Ozzy, he had a hundred million dollar offers. <laughs> like, I really want this to gain attraction. So we have enough attention, provide as much value as possible. Let's prove our worth of like, look how amazing our, your logo is and then get them into like the, the, the funnel. So like, okay, now. Prove that yeah. logo. Let's go up to websites. Let's get, let's keep Co the scale. Correct. So that was intentional. Uh, let's go back to the roofing world, right? So that's where I learned it. So with the roofing companies, the door knocking, you weren't selling a roof. When the door knockers would come through, when I did my fair share of that, um, they were appointment setting. Hey, we just want to do a free roof inspection. It looks like your roof might have some spots. It looks old. Like we want to get into your attic and check it out for free, right? So free lead offer to get the salespeople through the door. And that's where I was like, hey, I can do that in, in marketing. What's something super low cost, um, both, but has high perceived value, right? Low cost, high perceived value. That's the trick there. And I was like, logos, dude. Some people charge $500 for logos. And then like Nike spent like $1.2 million on their logos with stock, et cetera. It's like he paid like 12,000 in the front end and then gave him stock. But the point is, so I was like, oh, there's there is high perceived value in logos Let's give them away. I can go to Fiverr if I need to to outload them and just get something good on repetition. And I've got a friend that's really good on them and we can do it. And so I was in a, a group of business owners. There was like a little mastermind of 3,000, 4,000 people. And that group creator told us that we could talk about our own business and promote it. 
in that group. And it was followed by a, a convention. So there was a convention that came after it. So our mastermind group and everyone in that mastermind group went to the convention. So we'd actually meet up in person. So my plan was, hey, let's become the most popular person in this group as best that I can. So I could have a bunch of people to meet up with in person because it's sales, right? I already have a set date of appointment for that. So gave away the logos, did phone calls with every single one of them. Out of those logos, we actually end up making $8,000 in profits because we gave away the logo design, but then we upsold like video edits and other things else, just that, like attach the logos, logo reveals, et cetera, that could people post on their feeds. Just little random bolt-ons that we could get. So we actually didn't even lose money on logos, but it was a whole legion that we just did on purpose. How do we get people that we can give something of value to them, some added benefit, something special? that makes them like us more, right? So it builds the relationship. In sales, if you want to close a deal, not, there's three three tenths of selling. Sell yourself, sell your products, sell your services. Selling yourself is the relationship. If people like you, trust you, know you, nine times, nine times out of 10, they're going to be more open to buying from you. Any of those people that bought websites, if I'd have just prospected them directly saying, hey, do you want to buy a website? We would have sold none out of those 12 people. But because we gave them a free product first and they liked me, they're like, Actually, I, I would love to you build that no like and trust factor. 100%. Correct. Exactly. And this could be like applied with... across the board. I mean, if you're everywhere, even if, you want to, if you're a dentist, you'd be like coming for free cleaning. Knowing that, that, oh, there's a crown that's that's loose. Do you want me to fix this? It's going to be the, you, now you're already developing the relationship. If you're an auto mechanic, free oil changes. Come on in, open uh, promo for Mother's Day, whatever it happens to be. Uh, change out the oil. Hey, you know, your filters are not great. Your brakes are this, your brakes are that. It lets the people kind of get in the doors to let, to let them know you provide that excellent free service and then just again value add and it's not even i don't even consider it upselling because at that point you're providing so much value to your client that they're more inclined to follow your lead and say oh no you're right like yeah there is something wrong on my brakes i should take care of this i'm glad I'm yeah here. yeah and there's two sides to that right so one i had a ton of people i think when you're doing a lead you're giving away this free thing you want to make sure that you put just some sort of formal presentation after that so I, everybody that got a logo for me, I called them and I would talk to them real quick. Tell me about your business. What are you trying to accomplish? And I already had an agenda that I was going to sell them a site from the logo. So I was just talking to them mostly like in the guise of I'm going to fulfill a quality logo, but I'm probing other additional questions in that moment to see, hey, is there an opportunity? If you have, need a logo, do you need a website? Probably you at least need it changed onto your website because now you have a new logo, right? So so there's that. But number two, what you just said, the generosity of the customer. I don't know how many people that needed logos for that would just like, I, they were like, hey, how do I pay you for this? I was like, it's free. They're like, no, send me your PayPal. And then $500 showed up on my PayPal. They just sent me 500 bucks. They're like, we love this logo so much. Here's $500. And I'm like, just, I didn't ask for it. They just sent it. And so it, it's not everybody. We gave away 200. We got 10 sales, right? And like four people just sent us random cash. So it's like the ratio is 15% conversion, but who cares that 15% turned into 88 times my money, 10 times my money. Right. It, because you had, a, you had a great offer on the back end that, that was a high ticket item that makes Correct. sense. This, this doesn't make sense if like you're giving away a logo and then like what you're selling is a book for $4. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. exactly. You're definitely losing money. Yeah, exactly <laughs> that. Exactly that. And still to this day, this, that was four or five years ago. Still to this day, I get people calling me, hey, I remember that logo you made me. How's things been? Hey, I remember that. Like, are you still doing marketing agency stuff? Because I need another logo. I'm like, I don't do logos anymore, bro. But I, I still get calls from those same people that I did it for. People have my my logos on billboards. I've driven by signage. My logos are on. It's 
they're everywhere. So it's really that's cool. a cool feeling, man. Yeah. So, so, so now that you started developing these websites, three, four thousand dollars a pop, let's just say. At yeah. what point do you end up pivoting into either your coaching sessions or going like, hey, I'm kind of why, why did you move away from the websites? Let's start there. So um, fulfillment of websites is a disaster, especially WordPress. <laughs> it's it is Perfect. a crap ton of work and uh sales guy jeff was not fulfillment guy jeff yet this is the biggest lesson that i had to learn um that i'm still learning because sales guy you take anybody's money because that's what you do you're you're a deal closer no problem yes we'll take care transactional. of transactional next next yes. yes but as a sales guy you never had to fulfill the deal so you didn't have to do the follow-up and customer service and calling them and getting the content and writing the content on the sites etc so as I was fulfilling my own deals, I started to realize there is a crap ton of customers that I don't want to do business with because boy, oh boy, are they not fun to deal with um, for whatever reason. Okay. So that's, that became the biggest epiphany, number one. And then two, time delivery. It was taking us about three to four months for turnarounds uh, because we did everything custom. So we weren't just going and doing like the normal web developers. That was our offer. We were building you a custom design and actually created you something nice. And we didn't actually go and just buy a template for 50 bucks and then modify the template for you. We refuse. So that was our, our pitch. We're going to give you the best for less. Um, somewhere along the lines, I started to realize that as I'm selling these sites, it's great. I made 40,000 bucks, but now it's going to take two or three months to fulfill them. I have nothing coming in in those two or three months because I'm not actively selling. I needed to figure out what to do here. Um, so we started selling, upselling like SEO services, Google ad services, lead generation, Facebook ads, et cetera. Um, and this is where the first disaster of the marketing agency became. We built it up to about $30,000 a month reoccurring, but it was in like 10 or 12 different markets, dentists, doctors, chiropractors, foot people, landscaping companies, roof companies. There's nothing niche. And in marketing, it's the nuance that makes you successful. No, none of our customers were upset with us. We didn't get any bad reputation, nothing. But what happened for me is, is I just created so much work for myself to fill in so many different markets that I couldn't be creative anymore. I oversold my bandwidth of what I wanted to be. The customers were happy, but I wasn't, right? And so I didn't learn the CEO yet of how to delegate and outload or offload and give stuff to employees. I was freelancer. I did all the work. I was selling me. Um, one day I woke up, fired off all of them except one client because I was like, I just hate this life. I didn't quit my job to go make ten thousand, fifteen thousand. Oh, all, all, wait, all of that so was you, a year and so a half. So you frame. gave up a, a fairly robust business, and all and for the vast majority of of uh, most business owners won't get the thirty thousand dollars a month, right? Yeah, you just yeah. like the hell with this. My mental health is more important. Yeah. I'm gonna give up all this income as a, as opposed to even riding the wave to even sell it. Believe me, I've been there. I just went through an exit. It's yeah, there's there's a moment in time where like I'm done. Yeah, no. but I, I give you credit for that, man. Most I people... didn't even know that you could sell at the time. I didn't have any right. mentors. I didn't know anybody in marketing agencies. I couldn't even call anybody for help. That was the problem. I didn't know anybody to call and say, "Hey, how do I fix my marketing agency? What am I doing wrong?" I, I accidentally did this. You yeah, know, that was that was where it was. You so, created yeah. your own beast or monster, so to speak. Correct. My own my own closet monster you know yeah exactly exactly so, so the one client you, you, that you didn't fire yeah what industry were they in pawn shops pawn shops here comes the pawn yeah. star story <laughs> yeah exactly and, now, so, now pawn shops i'm sure anyone who's listening their reputation of sleazy 
alcoholic driven drug addicts uh, shadiness is not well deserved at all, right? There is a stigma <laughs> about pawn, right? You see it in every movie, Men in Black, two or three different Disney movies that it's always this slimy underbelly skeletal, you know, creature that, you know, reptilian with the lizard, you know, whatever that seems crazy. Now there are some, like don't get me wrong, right? There is always some truth in a stigma or whatever, right? There is some there's bad operators in every bunch, but not all of them. Actually, a, a good percentage of pawnbrokers genuinely run a clean shop, a quality operation. There's good deals. Um, and so that's the battle that we have to fight. And so generally speaking, in pawn, me going advocate for the industry is, I would argue that the big box retailers, Cades, Zales, all of them are more sleazy when it comes to jewelry sales because what they have in their shelves is eight times the price of what's sitting in a pawn shop's shelf, nine out of 10 times because they mark it up for the brand and pawnbrokers can get the same thing or very something similar. A lot of times exactly the same and they price it off the material value. So it's like, what is the actual gold or diamonds worth that's in that piece? And it's the same quality item, but for an eighth of the cost or fifth of the cost, Nine times out of ten. Um, you know, did so, you purposely go into pawn because I'm, you like the owner you're working with, and that you saw an opportunity of like, hey, no one is focusing on marketing agencies in this industry, or very few are. Correct. So, so what happened here, right? So we fired off all the customers um, that were there um, in landscaping and roofing as a couple foot doctors um, because it was stressful. But he wasn't. We were doing SEO. Funny enough, um, we met him that that uh, pawn guy through the logo giveaway. So his logo giveaway, I gave a logo to his daughter. His daughter liked me, gave her free Instagram advice and introduced me to his dad or her dad. And that's how I got the pawn shop was through that logo giveaway. He hired us to do some SEO stuff and he was paying just enough to pay for my bills. It was like 2,800 bucks a month or something. And I was spending, I had $300 in expenses. Um, so it was just enough to cover my expenses of what they were at the time. And it was like two hours a month worth of work. Maybe, maybe because a lot of it was outsourced. I had some Filipinos assistants and especially the help with, with a bulk of the work. So for me, it was like two or three hours a month. And I talked to the client once a quarter. That was it. So it was just like a check would come in and that was, that was it. So mailbox money. So I take that, um, I take that and I said, Hey, this is my nut. I can cover with that. And I go coaching for a while because I was like, okay, the problem, the big problem that I was having, actually, this is a, another part. So not only was I spread too thin, what I started to realize in the, the agency model that I was working with is I was spending a lot of time coaching the CEOs of these companies because a lot of them were startups or very small, like landscaping companies. Most of them didn't have sales processes. Okay. So I gen you 200 leads and you called seven of them or I generated whatever inbound and you didn't, you didn't do your part. So I spent a lot of time educating and training the people that were my agency clients. And then it, that's where the bridge came over. Like, I'm just going to be a coach because apparently if I'm doing done for you, marketing for you, you're not doing, you're not getting the full benefit of it. I'm coaching anyway. So might as well just sell coaching packages. Coaching packages went for about a year, year and a half um, exclusive with that one, one client. And then one day, uh, and then through that, I was also doing e-com. That's where the funnel for the Trump hat thing hit. We crushed the Trump hat through Facebook ads, learned a ton about Facebook ads. And I said, hey, I probably can do this for pawn shops because at the time we were still doing SEO only for that guy. So learn pawn or learn Facebook ads. Said, hey, I could go sell this to 
pawnbroker. So I upsold it to my one pawn shop guy. 60 days later, he goes, holy shit, I've gotten more customers in 60 days from this Facebook ad than I have from SEO for sure. What are you doing? It's working. About 45 days later, he starts introducing me to all of his friends at a pawn convention and people start calling me. But what happened was is they, none of them bought right away because they were like all worried about like, what are you going to go away? Because in pawn, a lot of people will come in, I'm going to help you. And they just disappear. It's like a weird, because nobody gets pawn, nobody sticks around. So he started introducing me to people and I started to realize there was interest in pawn. So I got on LinkedIn and said, Hey, let's go back to the harpoon. I have like trying to find a whale. Yeah. So I go find a whale. I go find three people, send a LinkedIn prospect, cold message to a guy in California and said, Hey, you're losing a hundred thousand dollars a month because you're not hiring me. And I know that because I have a case study behind it. And this is the case study and you're making all these mistakes. And, uh, I said, you click the button above and book a call with me in the next 48 hours or a week or whatever, or this message self-destructs and I'm going to call your competition. And I did say that in the video, or I'm going to call your competition. They booked a call 48 hours later, said this was the best cold prospecting message I've ever received in my life. How much? I said, it's 10 grand a month, 5,000 for ad spend, 5,000 for me. They were like, oh, that's not a problem. We used to spend $30,000 a month on billboards. You're like, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> I get off the call and yeah, I was yeah. like, no, I'm like, yeah, no. Yeah. But that was the best. Now, so I went from you know $3,000 a month on an SEO guy to $7,000 a month overnight. Um, and then what I did is I paused. So I spent the better part of like five months, six months. Okay, did it once. Can I do it twice? Because if I can do it once, then I can do it twice. And if I can do it twice, then I can do it 10 times, right? Our process, our system on Facebook ads, can we really duplicate it again uh, in completely different markets? We did. It took five months because there was different tediousness. I didn't want to make the same mistake as last time overselling. And $7,000 a month for me at the time was nice. I was like, this is, this is good money. I can, I can travel. I, I've got a little moment for a breather. And it's four hours of work, five hours of work a day. And I can spend the rest on the couch, just learning and meditating and thinking. And then we scaled. And then within probably 60 days of me being confident, I can do this twice. Now I can do it 10 times. We went from $7,000 a month, uh, bounced off of 30,000. So we did have it. We sold a bunch and then we fell back down and we hovered right off of about 15 to 20 for a little while, just because of maintenance retainers. Then I hired my first employee, started to learn how to be CEO etc of the skills and then uh, four months ago hired acquired or merged with my largest competitor and went from you know twenty thousand doing nothing essentially and traveling the world um to forty thousand forty five thousand overnight to we'll be at a hundred by the end of the year so how was the transition from being the salesperson of like hey the sales, kind of just working just three, four hours a a day to now being a true CEO in charge of a company, having all these responsibilities. What was the mental fortitude that was needed or the shift of thinking that was required to kind of get to where you are now? Yeah. Number one, um, funny enough, this comes from Minecraft. This was the biggest moment when it hit me. So I'm a nerd (laughs) and I play video games. Um, I couldn't tell you with guys. The, with a uh, uh, tortoise behind you, Pokemon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. my Pokemon. Right? Yeah, my my Squirtle. Yeah. Um, I was playing Minecraft, and the the biggest shift is its systems. 
right? Being able to put together processes of checklists of like, okay, this is this is defining what success looks like, defining how we reach the success and how we get there. Because in sales, it's very much wing it. You take what's happening in front of you, what people are saying to you, and you respond piece by piece, one move at a time, right? So it's like you have a direction that you're going, but you don't have a, an exact checklist or game plan of what we're trying to accomplish with that goal, if that makes sense, right? It's a little bit more versatile one you you make it up as on the spot or you re respond to the the fires that are in front of you in that moment ceos don't do that you you do not you are not putting out i mean you do have to put out fires that show up in the moment but generally speaking a ceo you have to have a to duplicate yourself a role that you want to put someone in what is this person's defined job like the checklist of what are they doing every day what are their standard operating procedures they're their um, responsibilities for that position. Like, what are they in charge of? And in order to find some of these responsibilities for that position, I had to accept that I was not going to do it anymore. I had done it for the last five years myself, essentially, and now I had to hire an employee and give them some of the things I was so proud about. My own self-worth got caught up in the doing of said projects um, and then having confidence in that employee being able to deliver that quality service at a level that I'd be okay with. Um, not, I didn't have the micromanaging issue. I was fearful of the product. Like, is the quality going to be there? Because I sold exclusively on my name. I was an idiot, put my last name on the company's name. It's Trumbull Digital. Like, so it's all like, if it failed my reputation, yeah, it's going to blow up, which, which was probably the best decision ever because it forced me to be high quality and produce and make sure that our team is I've on I've encountered that uh, in my, myself where the name like i'm going with this whole steve class thing and i'm, I'm aware that i'm building up a brand but i'm fearful that okay now, there's gonna be a time where if i'm growing this thing that i'm i'm gonna step back as the figurehead because i'm gonna be the ceo yeah and if people are used to steve class brands and now you're dealing with you know tanya from philippines or wherever yeah it be, yeah it's like where's the transition how how do you take that step back <laughs> do, do, have you found it to be gradual or was it kind of like, I need to pull this bandaid off and yeah, yeah. let people um, know It was more of an internal battle of limiting beliefs. First, I was saying, which is partly still true to this day, but that's probably my market specific. Um, a lot of the clients did hire me for me. And so there was it was more gradual for them to accept it. But I think what happened... So if I wouldn't have been upfront, hey, clients, I'm trying to scale, which they all knew that, Hey clients, I'm eventually going to have to hire people and I'm not going to be doing the work forever. And if they weren't clear on that, it would have been a lot harder of a transition. It was already hard as is because if they start, thought of me as an employee, as I'm the guy doing the job, it's, it's a reality or perspective shift on them. Like, wait a second, it's not him doing the work anymore. And they have to deal with that fear themselves. I can't fix that. So for me, what happened was, is how I decided to approach it was new products most of the time. So I'd have an assistant doing all the delegation work where the clients would never know that the, that I had an assistant doing the work. And then any of the new products, I'd be like, hey, I'd pitch him on the idea. And I'd be like, I have a, I hire, I'm hiring this new guy. He's really good at this project. And I would sell him. Word transfer. Right? So it's like from the beginning for that said product, they were okay with it. Started the video editing, for example. So we just like, boom, I got some new video editors. They're going to crush it. In fact, since you're a cool client, I'll do it for free for you for the first 60 days. And then just, this is awesome. And then that kind of helped. Um, There's certain parts of it that they will never let go. So that was my strategy. And once they started letting go on those parts and they're like, oh, Jeff's got a good team. And they started thinking me as a team leader. Then all of it started getting outsourced and it was fine. 
right? There are certain parts that are just gone. So definitely gradual. And I think my strategy was, was smart. Great, right. Now, Absolutely. I've interviewed a lot of entrepreneurs. I've met a bunch of small business owners. A lot of these guys, they're putting in 60 to 80 hours a week. And that's their whole purpose is just being in the business, getting in the office at 7 a.m., not leaving until 7 o'clock at night, where I, I think that you and I are on the same wavelength. We're like, do you want to be that guy putting in eight hours and, and your life is your business? Or do you or do you want to transition to where you're a lifestyle entrepreneur where you're putting you're putting in the work, working hard, but you have a life outside of this. And a lot of people have said, especially when we just learned from a billionaire that no, in order to make it like this is this is it that your sacrifices you don't see your family you don't kiss your wife goodnight you're not going to go yeah. date night as much is there a point in your business where you just like hey this is enough i'm happy where it is i i want to now work a couple hours a week a couple hours a day so i can enjoy travel i can spend time with my my girlfriend my my partner and you get to experience i know you're going to barcelona soon which is yeah, fun for you. yeah. so I don't know. So I'm I'm a workaholic too. I'm a little bit more on that spectrum, but I do it in a little bit different. I think that there, for me, this goes back to the original of the 90-day bursts. Right? I can solve any problem in 90 days. And usually what I'll do is I'll go, for me, I will work those 80-hour work weeks in those 90-day periods. And I will just destroy till we get to the goal that we need to go. And I'll go really hard. And with my partner, she actually works in the business with us. She's my boss. Um, she... Uh, I get her on the same page. Look, we're going to go hard. Like I'm, I need help on other things in the house because I'm going to drop the ball and all these things. Let's go hard time. We're getting to this level. This is where we're going to be. And this is what we're going to get for it. And this is the end result that we're going to create. And she's like, let's go. Like if that's where we're going, I want it. And she'll help. Right. So I pitch the end result. This is where we're going. And then after that 90 days, then a lot of times I will, I'll send her off. I'll take some time off. I'll go to a month somewhere else. I spent three months in Asia. And I will work 80% capacity. I'll go 90, you know, on 90 for 90 days, I'll go 120% work capacity. And then for another three, four months or two months or whatever it ends up being that I need, then I'll go 80, 75% capacity. It's like, it's a, an analogy. I don't remember who told me this. It's the analogy of an airplane taking off, right? If you want to take it, you want to get an airplane to get off the ground. It's full thrust. throttle. Yeah. Yep. Full throttle all the way there when you want to get to the, the next level. Once it gets to the 30,000 feet where it wants to be, it's 70% throttle, 60% throttle, and it maintains just fine, right? And so that's literally what I do on repetition. Full throttle as hard as we can go. All right, time to operate. Boom, 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 right? So in and out, in and out, in and out. And um, that's what works great for me. That's um, fantastic because it, it also helps you not get to that burnout phase where like, you don't enjoy it anymore. Yeah. Um, I, I think of it as seasons. Like there's a season where you have to harvest, you're busting your butt just to kind of get the business up and running. This is our uh, plan. And it's like, okay, I can, I don't want to use the word hibernate. I need to reset where I'm like, yeah. I'm going to do some mental stuff, meditation. I'm going to go visit Bali, wherever it happens to be, where you're still working, but it's not where it's like, it's the be all end all. You're, you're experiencing life now. I think yeah. it's so important for other business owners to get that and not just have that. I'm going to go 100% of the time, 100% of the time. Yeah. Because eventually I think, it's going to give. <laughs> well, what happens here, I think here's the trick to get out of that mindset because this is what happens in Pawn. I actually had this this, this morning where I, I talked to a Pawn broker, full CEO, 18 stores, where the average Pawn shop has 12 stores, right? Wow. So one of my one of my clients. And it's it's the difference of working in the business and working on the business, 
when you're working in the business, you don't get time to take the extra time off. A lot of times if you're working 80 hours a week every day forever, it's because you're in the weeds doing the things that a CEO would never do, right? You are pulling too many levers. Too many roads are running through you. You haven't offloaded those roads to go through somebody else yet. Um, there's a <laughs> there's a term in the pawn space because they work at a counter. It's traditional retail, right? He's like, these CEOs that are humping the counter all day long are losing because they're sitting there just working and dealing with customers, right? If they don't ever get off and start working on processes, you're doomed. And and that's that's my, you know, 90 days I'm working on the business. I'm working a little bit in the business because shit's breaking because I'm going really hard, working on the business, working in, working on, working in, working on. And then at the, the end of the coasting, a lot of times it's like, okay, most of this is running without me or maybe I need to plan hiring a new person over here because there's a little bit of a mess giving bonuses to the team so they can take some time off and recover themselves too. But it's just maintenance. Okay, let's just make sure the customers are happy and enjoy the fruits of the house. Over. Now let's just keep it humming along. Let's change out the filters. Let's yep. like, if, let's, uh, let's yep. get the boiler serviced. And it's, you got to that Correct. Correct, correct. And for me, I am blessed that I don't get stuck in that zone. Like my body gets bored of, of the stagnation. I will sit there and I'll go and I'll, you know, sit there and I'll sit on the, the porch of that house overlooking the mountains, drinking a coffee, you know, with the birds chirping in the background, right? And eventually I'm like, well, this is awesome. But it was awesome yesterday. It was awesome the day before. <laughs> it was awesome the day before. You know, it's not really that awesome anymore. I want something else. You know, and I'm like, it's time. You know, and then, yeah. yeah I, and there's, I always, there's, there's, there's seasons like, let's, let's get back into it. Let's, let's yeah. start planting some seeds now. It's general mode. That's what I call it. It's general mode. And I, the team knows they're like, oh shit, Jeff is coming in Jeff and he's going to start barking yeah. orders. And it's the siege. The siege is coming on. General Jeff is coming in and I give him all a heads up. Hey, this is where we're going. You ready? And they're like, fuck, I'm not ready. Yeah, probably wait for to go back to <laughs> two-week cruise to, to Barcelona, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, go back. No, 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 no. We're not ready. Please don't go away. And then in yeah, the middle yeah. of it, when they're all crushing it, they're like, this is amazing. Because, you know, I, I pay out bonuses on productivity. So, like, all of them start Fantastic. getting additional additional cash, additional cash. Additional. They're like, what? Where'd you go? Why'd you leave? You know? And they're all just making money hand over fist on on what we're doing in those, in those seasons. And they're like, damn. But that's that's fantastic, Jeff. So, I, I really appreciate your uh, your tried and true experiential wisdom. This is not theory we're talking about. You you walk the walk, talk the talk. Thanks, man. Um, and I always end the podcast with with this question, um, and it's introspective. Rewinding the clock back down to a twenty or twenty one year old Jeff Trimble, who maybe just got that first retail job working at Walmart, or is going into the first sales position. And think of this as any other um, person who's going through this right now. What have you learned? What advice would you give to that person that can shift the paradigm to accelerate potential growth? I'll give two. Don't sell your 10 Bitcoin at $352, you idiot. Number did one. Really... Wow. <laughs> yeah, I, did, I did do that. I did do that. Yeah, I really did do that. Uh, you idiot. How much, I, how much would that be, that be worth now? Just I was like just a quarter million bucks. It was like okay. a quarter million, maybe more. Well, today it's twenty thousand, so quarter million today at its height it was six hundred k. So okay. you know, yeah, that was fun. Huh. Any, anyways, so but but revolutions, man. Um, I think the advice I'd give, and I kind of already knew it at that time, but no one Thanks. gives a fuck about you, like who, what you're doing, where you're going. You know, everybody that says they want you to do good. 
it's bullshit. They want you to do good, but they don't want you to do better than them. Not so as it's good like, as they are. You're not as good as they are. So it's like, so if their opinions don't matter, then do it for you, right? Do it for what you want to do to be proud of yourself. Like pick, pick that. So number one, it's, it's that. So when I first started money buys happiness, so I'm going to buy the nice car. I'm going to do a little bit of that stuff. That's not true. Straight up. Not true. It does. I mean, I've never seen anybody sat on a jet ski. So there is a, a version of that. But I think the real advice is this money doesn't buy happiness, but just like in a video game, it allows you to focus on the side quests and those side quests are what bring you the happiness. Most people in life, when they're going through business, um, or in life, when they're going through life, all they ever get to focus on is the main quest. What the main quest is, is survival, paying for food, paying for rent, keeping their head above float and they're bobbing in the water. That's the main quest. How do they keep swimming to stay above right. board? Maslow's laws, the full food shelter. You know, the Correct. Basics. Correct. And the second that you get those, that main quest done, life becomes life, a life worth living. And it doesn't even take that much. If you are not blowing it away right i my nut was thirty three thousand bucks twenty five hundred bucks so my main quest was accomplished at three thousand dollars a month when i hit seven i'm like boy oh boy do i have a ton yeah Yeah. and that's what i thought so the answer is is learn about the the side quests go to the meetup groups meet people join masterminds hang out with the others once they're there um because that's where life gets fun and it's not all just what am i doing this for Right. There's those days when I was growing my business where I ran into a wall and I'm like, I, I just made 200K this year. What did I do it for? Because I didn't even go look at the side quest. So there's that and, and repetition. Go faster, dude. Compress time. I, I don't care what anybody says. Never take the advice. Balance. Don't balance. Fuck that. Nobody great ever balanced. You go look at Kobe Bryant. He shot 400 shots in the morning before his training sharded or whatever it was. Don't. You can balance later on, pay the price today. This is the Grant Cardone saying, pay the price today so you can pay any price tomorrow. Compress your time, do 50 times more work today because the revolutions of you doing it at speed today, you'll learn more. That's what I got out of the sales jobs. I jumped from sales jobs so quick and I learned faster. So it's as many revolutions when you're young, as fast as you can, because those revolutions are experience. And dude, when you're 35 and you have all that experience, you're untouchable. Nobody, the average person my age, I burn circles around them. And that's not me trying to be disrespectful. It's because the revolutions. So the you faster, put it reps. That's why. Yeah, the, the faster that you can do that. And you can do that today. It really only took me two years of those revolutions, right? I, the, if you put them in for eight months, you would be very close to where we are because the last five years, I haven't got to put in as many revolutions to grow the next level. It's been maintenance, right? Absolutely. So it's like, you can get here quick. So go faster. Spin right, faster. I, I, I appreciate that, Jeff. And I know your website's down purposely because you're doing a merger. Um, but if you happen to be a pawn shop owner, and uh, <laughs> I don't know how many pawn shop owners are listening to this, but it, and you want to really expand your business, this is the gentleman you need to speak to. Um, and I know that you also have intentions potentially of expanding outside of pawn shops in the future. So we're excited to see what your, how your journey is going to take. Yeah, uh, if you want to find you, is there is there a quick, easy source to get in contact with you? Just just Google Jeff Trimble, and I'll land up anywhere. Jeff, J-E-F-F, Trimble, T-R-I-M-B-L-E. I'm on every social media platform everywhere. You can find my, my all my socials are the Jeff Trimble. So you search that into anywhere you'll find me. Um, and I'm open for questions for anything. It doesn't matter. If you want to talk acquisition costs, prospecting costs, uh, processes, acquisition, how to do it, whatever. It doesn't matter what niche you are. We've done it for many places. I just... 
for the done for you side. I thousand percent am not taking anybody else because it's too much work. <laughs> right. But I'll, I'll teach you whatever you need to know. If you have questions, I'm always an open book for anybody on this podcast. Fantastic. All right, Jeff, thank you again for coming on uh, so much, my friend. I look forward to our next mastermind together. Be a fun one. And uh, you're headed off to Barcelona uh, when again? Uh, April, March, April, May, somewhere around there. Yeah, a little bit. I'm sure we'll connect soon. All right, take care, man. Thanks again. Sounds good. Thank you for tuning into Service Business Success with Class. Are you craving more strategies to supercharge your business growth? You can connect with me at successwithclass.com or on my Instagram, at Stevie Class. And remember, when you hit subscribe, it's a win-win. You'll get your hands on all the latest tips, and you'll be supporting the show too. Thanks again for joining. Until next time.